Graduation turned out to be a bittersweet ceremony for Charlize Theron. While honored to be the valedictorian of her class, there was an air of unmistakable there was an unmistakable air of sadness over the sudden death of Not a Hate Watch. Hi, welcome to She's an Actress. Whoa! Oh, I was totally off key. Our, our episode, our series on the films of Charlize Theron. This today, we are going to be talking about 2010s, written by Diablo Cody, directed by Jason Reitman. Movie Young Adult. Yes. Now, this is actually one of my favorite movies. Although I also realized I, I actually, I really love this movie, but I haven't watched it that often because it's very hard to watch at times. Okay. But um, yeah, you were, you were watching it for the first time, Missy. I was. Let's start there. Yeah, we... What did you think? I... I would say I had a overall... Hmm. I had an okay experience with this film. There were portions of it where I was kind of into it, portions of it that I wasn't. Um, I, I, I am very much in the camp of this was not a comedy to me. Uh, I, I understand oh, yeah, no. where... I understand the point of view in which you can find these things funny because she's making such terrible decisions. And like, yeah. haha, she's making the worst decision you can. Oh, this is super cringe. But I don't I just yes. don't find it funny when I know from the offset, based on the setup of this movie, that she's a mentally ill person who does not have people in her life to balance her out and is now going on sure. a manic spree to like you know re dive into yeah. that nostalgia dump that is always brighter on the uh inside than it is on the outside sure i mean i that is, that is true but i mean like even if you hadn't known that going in i think it's the movie telegraphs it really early well, no that's um, what i mean it like i didn't know it going yeah. in. i i legitimately yeah. didn't know what this film was about like uh, it was funny someone uh a coworker of mine and i uh were taking lunch today and I was like, oh, I'm going to be watching uh, Young Adult tonight. And he said, what's it about? I'm like, oh, I think it's about, like, Charlize Theron. And she tries to go back to, like, her old town. And mm -hmm. she feels like her life has, like, got behind her. But then I'm not sure what she does. I was like, I, I, was like, I, don't, I don't really know where it goes from there. I just well, know it's sort of like an ennui situation. Let, 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 well, let's talk about that. She doesn't feel uh, so. The main character Mavis doesn't feel like she, her life is behind her. She feels like her life is ahead of her. Um, she's she's very very stuck in the past, oh, yeah. but she doesn't see it that way. She sees that as her present and future. Story. Well, she sees uh, she sees her goal. She knows what her objective yeah. is, and yes, you know, in her mind, there is no reason that this outcome can't happen. And so when you are, yeah, so like that drive, that misguided drive, you know, is the source of all the, basically the, the tension of the film. So yeah, it really is front and center. Yeah. I like the way the film, so in the movie, she, she plays an author of a young adult series. She's like, she's a ghostwriter of a young adult series, which is loosely based on the Sweet Valley High series of books. Um it's, I love that in the first scene when she's waking up in bed on TV as a television adaptation of one of the books that that she worked on. Oh, I didn't catch that. 
Yeah, yeah. So that so she is she is falling asleep to watching a TV version of a book she wrote, because because she is just so like mentally ingrained in like high school and that and that that very like young adult mindset. Um, throughout the book, throughout the movie, she's writing passages of the book. She's taking things that happened in her life and turning them into passages from the book. It's also then eventually revealed that this is the last book in the series because the series has been canceled because it's not really popular anymore. Um, and she and she's overdue turning in her draft for the last book. Um, also, also great cameo by J.K. Simmons playing her editor, who's only on the phone. Yeah, I um, J.K. Simmons usually catch those voice cameos, but I did not catch that until I saw it in the credits. Yeah, he um he was he was the the dad in in Juno, which was Jason Reitman and Diablo's Cody last film together. So, um you know, cute cute that he shows up. Um, yeah, I, I okay. So, Mavis is not a good person, right? Mm-hmm. She is she has definitely has unresolved issues. She has unresolved self image issues. She has um she is definitely like very much like not tackling the problems in her life and is sort of displacing them by placing her like her hopes and her fantasies in these these things that aren't gonna happen yeah um but i love her i i do love her because i think there are so many aspects of mavis that i feel about myself in a like not flattering way i'm not saying mavis is cool mavis is not cool but i'm not cool either um and when i saw this movie i saw this movie when it came out in 2010 um, I was back home in Wisconsin with my with my with my mother. Um, at that time, I lived out in the Bay Area, and so for me, this like at the time really still closeted trans woman who one is obsessed with high school shit for some reason for whatever reason. Like I'm always obsessed with high school stuff, but I, the the thesis of my life is that I always just wanted to be prom. That is something I realized this year. I just wanted everything I want. Everything it just wants. To, I wanted to be like prom. I don't know why. I don't even want to go to prom. But so, so to see that, see her go back to her hometown and contrast her quote life in the city, which in this case is Minneapolis, um, her life in the city versus her hick hometown. While I'm in my like Wisconsin hometown, felt like it was primed to to really seep into me at like like as in like like deep in my DNA basically. Yeah, it, it sounds like this movie, I mean, you, you explained it very well, but I get that where there are a lot of films I have where it isn't just the movie, but it's something about the time and place and the state that you're in. Um, I think one of the reasons, for instance, like I like The Apple, even though it's a shitty movie, is that it was something weird and queer in an area where I was first exploring my own weirdness and queerness. Like I knew my weirdness and I knew sort of my queerness, but I hadn't really mixed them together and been like, okay, what, you know, what are these things in here and, and relating it to my, my Christian upbringing as well. And being able to see something that's like goofy about it and being like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I can use this. It's like perfect timing for me to like get at that on there. Um, I did not relate to this film in that way. I did re- relate to Charlie's in some ways within it. I yeah. think this has a good, I don't know if this is a Gen X film or a millennial film. I think it strides. This is very much a Gen, this is a Gen it's X film. a Gen film X film? Sure. Okay. I think that was part yeah. of the reason that I was watching it. And I'm like, why am I not fully connecting it? I'm like, this may just be a Gen X thing, you know? Um, I mean, but I'm like, I'm, I am a millennial, but I think, because of when I saw it and, and, and 
And like, because like the character of Mavis in the book is like, or sorry, in the movie is I think she's in her late thirties. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Yes. Which is which is, I'm I'm thirty-nine now, and so like thirteen years ago I was I was twenty-six, but I still I still I was still connecting with her because like I said there was just a lot of aspects of it that felt really real, and it's like this was starting a period of time for media where I was starting to see more things that. I felt like I could relate to on a deeper level, like specifically like the idea that like, Oh, a lot of the stories that you see are, are, are stories about men or story about, about men doing stuff. Like it was like, it was movies like this and TV shows like girls and broad city. And, and a lot of stuff that sort of was around that time really felt like it was speaking to me as a woman, like it, like, like reflecting a woman's experience that I hadn't previously seen examined to this level. Yeah. I, I, I certainly related to, I think one aspect that I related to was that sort of existential angst when you see your friends starting to have families and kids mm -hmm. and yeah. like there's an initial. For, so for me, I went through a phase where there was a weird initial, not resentment, like in the sense of uh, active, but a subconscious sort of like. Oh, now that they have kids, they have families, and that's going to be their thing, and our friendships are going to change, and I'm going to essentially lose you as the friend that I have now, and, like, a new friendship will emerge from this, but you are starting your own phase with your own thing, and good for you, but selfishly, I'm going to miss the you before you had kids, you know, the one that was more accessible for me and it's entirely selfish you know and and that's one of the things that i was like oh i could see if i let that go unchecked you know you could go to the level where you're like no but i can still fix this like i can go back and insert myself into one of these you know sort of scenarios and be able to to replay it all and and go from there and be like no we can still yeah. have that same relationship like we can keep this on this level and then you're like you, the adult thing is to realize that's not how things are anymore, you know, but I know people yeah. like her who are kind of stuck in high school. I would say yeah. it's more people in their twenties though, which is uh, like late twenties, which I kind right. of get, which is, which is, which is why the, the, the fact that she's almost 40 and she's still in this phase is why it seems like why everyone like rightfully, you know, sort of the climax of the movie calls out how sad it is. Oh yes, no, exactly. And that's, that's the thing for me is why I never had this click over to comedy is that this is just a tragedy. Like I'm just seeing, it is a tragedy, I'm just yes. seeing a very sad, slow car wreck, much like how she mm -hmm. hits her car, which I don't know if that was right. an on the nose <laughs> sort of like a metaphor there. But um, well, well I, I will say, I will say, having watched this, I remember this movie being a lot more nuanced, and it is not nuanced at all. Pat Oswalt basically just says on 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 uh, his dialogue is basically just describing what she is about to do, like an outline of the plot of oh, the yeah. movie in the first scene where he shows up. And I I I remember there being more subtlety, and there was not. It was not subtle. Well, so here's one of the things that I did find interesting about her character, and again, another aspect that I related to. She wears her emotions on her sleeve. There is no, like, masking. She's not able oh, yeah. to do that. The mo like, mm -hmm. so, for instance, one of the moments in the film. So we should, we, should, we should kind of set up the fact that she is going back to her hometown to try and get back with 
the high, the person she had a high school crush on, who is now married and has a kid. Yes, her, Patrick her, Wilson. Her boy, her high school boyfriend. Oh, they that's didn't right. Work out. Boyfriend, yeah. Uh, and, and she got it. She got a notice that they were that they were having a a baby like christening ceremony, and this is I think the first time that he reached out to her in a long yes. time. Yes, and so she like comes back to town with a plan and she's like, I'm gonna like get back with him. It'll still work. Like I just have to remind him how great it was. She's listening to yeah. their song on repeat on a, on a cassette tape, which again, I, I that oh. era I was like, Oh, that's cassette tape for a long time. I, I loved the, sh- the intense, like close up shots of the inner workings of the yes. cassette deck. That, that, that really got me going. I really enjoyed that. As a person who was obsessed with cassettes growing up, that was a visceral thing for me. I was like, yeah, okay. I I know this rewind feeling when you want to listen to something again, but that click and the were and waiting and then doing, yeah, it, there was a, a that moment between, those moments between when, you, when you're when uh, getting the stimulation you want. Yeah. Um, you were saying, though, that she, she doesn't have a mask. It, like, so... Um, um... The boyfriend, um, boyfriend buddy, um, his wife is a teacher and she teaches special ed kids. And they and they make a very pointed way of saying, like, yeah, they have to have a chart on the wall to describe facial emotions because they don't understand them. And it's it's, and then and then um, um, Mavis is basically just like, why do you need a chart? But then also she says, like, everyone feels the way I feel, which is to say basically like you know telegraphing her as being autistic which makes a lot of sense given the the behaviors of of her character like sort of how she can't mask her emotions but also how she can't read emotion on other people like when she's when she's going back to her hometown she talks about how oh buddy's gonna be so buddy's so miserable he's gonna be so he he needs me to come rescue him and stuff and it's like that's not that is not true at all and and, and you you very much don't see him giving those signs but she still thinks he's he's acting that way it's it, it's it's the act of a person who is trying to manifest a scenario and it's so obvious like i mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's i struggle when i clearly want something and i'm around people that i would need it from whatever you know whatever that thing is and if it's something i maybe feel like awkward about bringing up or whatever like my full energy is just engaged with wanting to ask the question whatever that is or like wanting to have an outcome mm-hmm. and i just like can't help but do whatever that is that i feel like is pushing it that direction like i get that you know it's it, it's yeah. there's a sort of like misguided excitement about it but yeah it's just it's mm-hmm. trying to it's interesting that essentially she is writing fanfic for her life in her novels and it is Mm -hmm. just everything she's trying to do or has happened to her it's one of those two things or it's but it's also just her living in her delusion you know she she basically talks a lot about how the way people treat her is because they're jealous of her because she was popular Mm -hmm. because she's beautiful she's a famous author which is then like in, in 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 a weird scene toward the end, I don't, and we're jumping around a bit. It's then confirmed by at least one character who tells her, 
Oh, I think about you a lot. It's 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 oh, actually, sister. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You're talking about you're talking about um um Matt's sister played by Kyle Wolf. We have we have to talk about her. I want to table it for yeah, now yeah. until we get to that part. But of it's the just movie. a weird moment where but... someone else brings it up too. So it's it's just a weird sort of like. Well, I guess she manifested it in a way. I don't know. Like I guess, it's it's well, yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it can be both things. She did move to. A, like you know Minneapolis the big city for for her outside of um Neptune where she grew up or Mercury is Mercury, is Mercury. Too. Mercury yeah um she is an author she is a published author her books were the series was at one time popular presumably it was popular before she took yeah. them over I don't want to say that she ran them into the ground you know this like those things have shelf lives anyway but it is coming to an end probably due in in some part to her like maybe not right not being able to maintain like interesting plots for the books but she is a she is an author she is a notable author so i think it's it, you know it's it's like to some people like i have this i have this thing sometimes when i talk about my life at work and when i describe things that i do people i work with who i don't know very well think oh that sounds really cool i bet you're i bet you're really cool and it's like no, I'm a giant fucking loser. I just do cool things sometimes, I guess. But and so it's like it's like you know both things can be true. Yeah, I I, I kind of relate to that. I feel like I'm a bit of uh, an intelligent doofus. You know, there are like a lot of things I know about, and then a lot of things that I should know that I'm very oblivious on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess I don't know. I struggle. I struggle because I have so much self awareness that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do... I don't think I could pull a stunt like this. I just don't have it in me. Yeah. So it's very interesting yeah. to see... And knowing that people like this exist, you know, and and, and as you pointed out earlier, oh, yeah. she is an unlikable character who has some charm to her, and that is all Charlize. Like, I think the only reason that I could semi-tolerate it was the fact that she was ever effervescent, you know? You can see why yeah. people in the town would like her but she's so desperate she's just so right. like on its face <sighs> yeah yeah, I don't, I, yeah. Which, which, which i think is really interesting because i think that the people who are nice to her in the town are that like midwest nice where you ha- you are nice to everyone but you're secretly shit talking them behind their back which is kind of what ends up coming out at the end of the movie but when she like so the, there's two scenes before she's before she starts meeting up with people from the hometown yeah. there's the scene where she goes to the bookstore and she's she's writing her name in books because she thinks she she says to the guy oh yeah no they'll, they'll sell better but they're all on the clearance table and she knows that if she signs the book they can't get sent back to the publisher for a refund thus the bookstore has to pay for it so I didn't realize that part of it as yeah. well as that so, 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 oh, that's even, so that is that's why even she sadder. is. Yeah, no, it's very sad. Um, that's why she's insisting on writing her name, even though, and she's, she keeps just saying to herself, yeah, no, it's because I'm, it, they're going to sell so well. And the guy's like, no, don't do it. Please stop doing it. So like that was, that was example of like her delusion versus reality. I think the other one is the hotel clerk at the, at the hotel she stays at just reads her fucking dead to rights. As soon as she comes in, she knows exactly like she must like that character must see women like this or people like this a lot because she, she basically just calls her out on all her bullshit almost immediately, including like the fact that she has her, her, her pet dog in her bag that she's trying to sneak in. Um, and and it doesn't and 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 Mavis is like 
she 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 cowers before this, but she doesn't like back down necessarily. She just like she's like, oh, you do see me for who I am. I'm just not going to talk to you, and then kind of runs away. Yeah, I relate to that. I if there's a person who I feel like has seen a bit too much of my flawed side, I tend to like embarrassedly dis- distance myself, and it, it feels weird to feel called out sometimes, even when it's not like. A direct calling out yeah it's like you've seen too you've seen too much you've seen behind the curtain and it's like i don't like people seeing behind the curtain you know yeah again that's a, a thing i related to um yeah i do you know what i realized this is just like sad clown concept where it's oh, like yeah. oh haha let's that's let's look at the sad clown that's funny and i'm just sort of like mm-hmm. what why why I, what am i supposed to find funny about this like yeah no it is like Okay, there are jokes like there are jokes written into the movie, and you've got Patton Oswalt there. He's he's charming, like like you said. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Charlize's performance. Um, and something I realized when I watched this movie, which is that I think this was the first movie I saw with Charlize Theron where she was actually playing like a human woman. Oh, like I I had known her for being like the character in Monster that she won the Oscar for. I knew her from Aeon Flux. I don't think I had seen um. I don't think I had seen the uh, the, the the rom-com that she's in. I forget. Was uh, that Sweet what Sweet November, Home Alabama yeah. or was that? Sweet November. Sweet November. I had not seen that. I had not seen. I mean, she isn't that thing you do, but I didn't recognize her at the mm-hmm. time. And that part is very small. Like, she is, she, to me, and I still feel this way about her. She kind of looks like otherworldly. Like, yes. Do you remember that movie um, Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson where Scarlett Johansson plays this like beautiful woman who's also secretly an I'm alien? I'm aware of it, but I've not seen it. Okay. I think that is like how I think of Charlize. Like she is a beautiful woman who is who is an alien who is who has been crafted by aliens to be in the 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 body of of what we presume is a beautiful woman. But there's always some like distance with her, and I don't know. Like I don't know. Like maybe this is me being racist. I don't know if it's because she's from South Africa. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. But I've always had that feeling about her, and so. To see her play this role where she's trying to essentially put on a front of being human while also like kind of hiding her like tortured like inner self. Like like the the self that she is when she's wearing sweats, when she when she hangs out with Matt, when she's not all dressed up, um, when when we see her in her bedroom or we see her by herself or with, when she's driving, that is the like person that is like the the wounded small child that she's trying to protect throughout this like armor of womanhood that she presents and i think that plus her like i don't know striking beauty is what makes is what to your point earlier i think it's part of the charm and and, and they, that that's the only thing that, that is charming about the character but also like we see how much of an act it is and how much work she puts into making sure that it happens i yeah i relate to her struggle of always being consciously aware of what you're doing in the given moment. She is very much a person who is like performative, a little bit calculated, mm-hmm. but it's not, I oh, mean, she, it, not a and, little, not a little. <laughs> well, yes, she's sorry. It's very calculated. Um, but what I, what I, it, yeah, so I, 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 she definitely has a, she has a narrative mind. It is very clear. She has a voice in her head that is talking all the time to her. That is, you know, she's bouncing her ideas off of like a chorus, like a chorus in her head of that are telling her that she's right. And that she's, she is, she is beautiful and smart and, and, and everyone loves her. And she is intelligent enough 
to be able to argue against herself when she might have um, a, a voice Doubts. saying, yes, don't do this. This is a bad plan. You're going to do this. Even when other people say it, there's clearly a strong voice in her head that says, fuck that. No, go for it. You need to think about you. You know, it's it's an ego-driven moment. And there, yeah. it's, and this is, I was going to say this earlier, but this this entire premise of this film and a lot of comedies from this era and a lot of things that say they're comedies that, again, I don't agree with this, people find ego death fucking hilarious. There are people who find it's so funny when someone gets to their lowest point that they literally lose their self and they love seeing when that cracks. They love It's like seeing a yeah. vase just smash on the floor and the entire movie is a slow-mo fall of that vase getting ready to hit the floor and they're just, everyone, they're, they're getting excited and they're laughing like, ha it's almost going to hit it. And, I, I, you know, that's just, it's a, it's a, it's a type of, I guess, comedy. But I don't, I don't, yeah, it's well, I mean, just, I think it's, I, I just I think, think it's, it's alienating. It's, like, it's to the, like, textbook definition of satire. I, but in is terms it? Of I don't like, think it's satire. What's it, sat, what, is sat, what is it satirizing? It's, it, I think it is, it is satirizing her, like, the, the persona that she's putting forth. I mean, I think it's a character study. I think it's, like, certainly breaking down how... How does a person end up like this? And giving us the yeah. teases, enough information to figure out, oh, okay, I know... I, I, oh my gosh, God, I love you. I know why and how she got into this situation. And, you know, we talked about... Uh, one of the few things I sent was that, oh, there was a no, 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 no moment for me where I was, like, literally out loud saying, no, 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 for two minutes okay. when she was about to kiss him for the first time they were drunk. And I knew, I'm like, okay, this is going to happen and this is going to be bad. Is this supposed to be funny? Am I supposed to be laughing at her trying to seduce him? I mean, I don't... I don't... I don't know that I necessarily would even... Classify this as a comedy per se. I mean, I think it's a comedy in that there are jokes written into the script, but I don't think that means you have to like. Okay, the thing I'm thinking about as we're talking about this is we talked about it's always sunny in Philadelphia, yeah. which is you know, which is a comedy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's not a comedy, but is also about like people who are in at times delusional doing bad things to one another. But in that case, it's it's done in service of jokes, whereas this is done in service of tragedy. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I I don't disagree. Like I said, I I from from a script analysis angle can see every single beat where they are going. This is the joke. This is the funny part. That is not. This that is, is the but, movie. but 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 like okay. I do think there are jokes in the movie, but I also don't. I also don't think. I don't think they're structurally they're trying to set up jokes per se. No, there's not. I there's no set of punchlines ever. I mean, I mean, I think that, I think that, cringe comedy was very popular. I mean, The Office is basically based around the idea oh, of yeah. cringe comedy, um, and so cringe comedy was popular. But I don't like. I don't think the movie is trying to I, because the reason I say this is. Like, to skip ahead, and we'll come back to where we were, but to skip ahead, the movie has a sad ending. The movie doesn't have a happy ending. The ending that the movie has is that she she learns nothing and she doesn't grow and she reverts back to her old ways, feeling more empowered than ever. And the fact that that's the ending, to me, 
says like the comedy ending is she 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 learns her lesson and she improves and there's a montage of her cleaning up her apartment or cleaning up her house and 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 you know you know actually succeeding in life on her like actually succeeding in a way that other people would see as succeeding they don't do that it is it is just all tragedy mm-hmm. all the way down yeah this, it's you know what there's a strain here that reminds me of Martin McDonough's work where okay. people describe a lot of his stuff as comedy. And I, I have the same sort of thing where it's like bad people making terrible decisions and that's just the world mm-hmm. we live in. You're not going to get a like good resolve ever. Mm-hmm. And there's like funny moments built within it in the terms of like, oh, isn't this ironic? It's just all these ironic turns that are happening because we as the audience mm-hmm. know where this character's mentality is mm-hmm. going to make them wind up. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it's like watching, so, watching a drunk person stumble down the street and you see someone say, someone who's sober say like, you know, don't, don't, don't go over there. You're going to hit that trash can. And then they walk into the trash yes. can. I agree. I don't think that's funny. I think some people do think that is funny, but that's not really, I don't think it's the intention of this movie to, to, have people point and laugh at Mavis necessarily. I think it is, if anything, I think it is pretending to be a comedy to sneak in all of this like pathos about this character so that, so that like, like you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to feel bad for her, but you're supposed to understand her a little more. I think, I think that's, yes, really and it. I think that's why I, I didn't like hate this. I, because the performances were like great and interesting and these characters were interesting and I was like, oh, okay, I want to know what they're gonna do next. I I, yeah. I just was like, I don't know. I th- I think I just was at time like very stone faced and didn't know how to feel. I yes, yeah, so I think I just I think maybe uh, I think I'm in the point where I'm just gonna go on a runaround if I keep thinking about the script. You know, it's just what not for me in the end. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna say, when you, once you, when you say thinking from a script, analytical script point, it's like that's how you know you really enjoyed the movie is when you're, when you're, when you're having that conversation with yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think about that a lot with scripts, even though that I do like, I, I just can't help it. Because um, I think a lot of times I watch movies and my head sort of like breaks it down into play structure a bit because I just can't help it doing mm. it. So like a lot of this is sort of the when I talk about the beats and things like that. You know, it's 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 me knowing the arch of a scene and how like the arcs are supposed to go and stuff. Um, well, and I think I do think this movie does buck some of those. Conventions. It does. It really does. I think, I think the the fact that the ending is so dark is was I think part of what made this movie really stick. I think if it had a traditional happy ending for Mavis, people wouldn't think about this movie at the same way. No, um, and, 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 it 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 wants to it wants to like have you fall down a hole and then poke you with a stick while you're down at the bottom of the hole, basically. Exactly, or yeah, it's or it's like you know. It. I also feel like some of the beats that are in the film are there because it's like reminding you if you start to feel too close or too like they make you feel too much about her and they pull it away and they and they go oh no maybe it's something dumb or stupid again so now you have to be like ah did you like her like oh so you support this part of her do you and it's that kind of thing where they just pull the rug on you to like have a chance Mm -hmm. to to do it uh but the you know Charlize was great i want to quickly shout out also Patton oswald i thought his performance was fantastic um Mm -hmm. 
he's playing he's playing um, Matt, someone who knew Mavis in high school, but she clearly does not remember him at all. He was the victim of a crime where the jocks at his school had thought he was gay, so they beat the shit out of him, and to the point where he is now disabled. Um, and, but he but wasn't he's not gay. gay. Yeah. But everyone still thinks he was gay, and and is kind of what he's known for. He is also sort of a recluse nerd. Probably these days would be an incel, maybe. Uh, he's probably a little more emotionally smart enough not to be an incel, but kind of borderline, you know? Um, and they do the movie does a really good job of of introducing him and then I, I love that you know he's always just kind of there but that makes sense because it's a small town to me like that didn't feel too contrived to me mm, but yeah. it does a really good job of contrasting him with the buddy character who is you know um Mavis is crushed but also is a is is a dad um kind of kind of kind of kind of just like a, bo- a dorky suburban husband yeah he doesn't um, have much of a personality that's the weird thing right like she's yes. like obsessed with him and he's just like bland he, he yeah he's he's like he's like he's like white his toast. wife is the but, cool one right right and and the other thing that's interesting then is that we get throughout the course of the movie as as mavis and and matt interact more you do get to see matt has interests and passions. He he brews his own whiskey. Yes. He he um, action he figures. Action figures. Um, he has all this. He has all this stuff. He, like he has a very rich inner life. He and especially yeah. and I think and like especially the scene the scene where she shows up to his house. She um she open she goes to the garage door which opens up and he is welding a cask together like that is very much being meant to be like meant to, again not very subtle say on the say on his face like he's the he's the one you should go after he is the catch he is the cool guy actually yeah and, and but she can't see that because she's she's you know delusional yes I, but you know do you know what's weird is that i didn't want them to get together because oh yeah i no. just was like you you deserve better than her like the, oh no that's absolutely. the weird thing um right i <sighs> So I'm gonna I'm gonna run through the rest of the plot real quick, just so we can yeah, talk yeah, yeah, more yeah, about yeah. some of the Let's other characters. That. Okay, so Mavis goes to the bar where she is super overdressed, very relatable to me. I always overdress for casual things. Um, she's she looks like she, she doesn't even look like like I want to say like like a New York person or like a fashion person. She looks like a character of a fashion person who's over the top in this like like rural bar setting. Yes, she calls up Buddy. Buddy, she says, "Hey, come out for a drink." Buddy says, I can't, I'll meet you tomorrow. So she hangs out with Matt the whole night. The next day, she gets ready. She she goes, gets her pedicure. She goes, does all this stuff. And then she goes to the bar. Again, she is super dressed up to go to the bar. And she sticks out like a, she sticks out so, so much in this other, this, this second bar. And, um, she meets up with him. It's kind of whatever. He's not really... He's kind of just humoring her. Matt is also there because he works at that bar. And the it ends with basically him saying like, oh, my wife is in this band. They're not very good, but they have fun. And they're going to play a show tomorrow. You should come. And so she agrees to co- go to the show. Then we get to day three where um, she is... She goes to Matt's house to recruit him, which is when we are then introduced to... Um, Matt's sister, again played by Colette Wolf, um, who she she uh, uh, Mavis asked her about her uh, about the about Beth, and she's like, yeah, no, I think she sucks. I think she's I think she's she's awful. Um, and Mavis is like, yes, yes, I agree, she is awful. Um, Matt goes with her 
to the Matt goes with her to the um she goes to the she goes she goes to the show. Yeah. She goes to the wife's show and the wife's band starts playing and they start playing Mavis's song, yes. the Teenage Fan Club song from the from the from the first part of the movie. And it becomes clear and she is, yeah, it becomes clear that that became their song and he just right. reused the song for his yes. wife to become their yes. song. He, he has he has one move and it is playing that song for a woman. And it's a good move because apparently it worked on two women, but yeah. And and so like I I literally like that because it really like to me like that also showed how Buddy is just a very small character. He is not notable. Like like we we said he was white toast early, but like that really that's just reinforcing this that like he only has one thing that he's good at, and and Mavis found it charming in high school and still finds it charming. The wife found it charming enough, but she is she is much more interested in the band, and it seems like her life around that that more so. Like the upshot of this is that she, um, she, the the wife wants to go stay out drinking with with the, with her friends. The husband has to go back home to relieve the babysitter, and Mavis says, "Oh, I'll drive him home." This is where they pull up to they pull up to Buddy's house. Th- they have a intimate conversation, like you said. You you were screaming no 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 because they 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 they, they kiss. Yeah, and like almost almost as soon as the kiss starts, it is interrupted by the babysitter coming outside and him being like, "Oh, I guess I gotta I gotta go to this." And she's like, "Yeah, no, I'll see it. I'll see it at the christening." But I want to I want to talk about that kiss because did you think? If the babysitter hadn't interrupted, do you think he would have kept kissing her? I truly don't know. Um, let me let me think. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you my theory, and you tell me what you think about that. Um, I think he would, and I think it's interesting because later in the movie he talks about how oh, all of this was set up by his wife. He was he was just trying to humor her, but he's pl- he's not just humoring her. He's playing along. Like when they first meet up, he's like, "Oh, I'm not drinking right now," and she's like, "No, you have to drink." So you- he drinks. He he he's doing tequila shots with her. He does it like when the babysitter when the babysitter interrupts them. There was enough time where if he didn't want to didn't want to be kissed by her, he could have pulled away. And I and I think that what happens is, is like the sort of natural when they come apart and they would they would go back in for the second kiss is when that happens. I really do think that he would have kept kissing her if the babysitter wasn't there. In the same way that, like, it's again, it's kind of just showing like how all of these people are flawed and have have like vices and have and have desires and stuff. Like, he's probably loves the fact that Mavis is here because it's it's bumping up his ego when all he has is his much cooler wife and his baby. Um, and and so like that that's how I read that scene. Yeah, I imagine if they were to continue kissing, it would happen for maybe a minute, and then he would stop and be like, "I need to." go right i think the moment but, he but not any sort but, of like internal heat and like oh i want things sure. to move further he would be like no 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 i can't go that far but but not so short that you, he could he could reliably say that oh she kissed me and i and i broke it off immediately like like no yeah i think was, he would have recipro- it was reciprocal and i think yeah. and to me i interpreted that more as that's the level of influence and power hmm. that she has. She has. That he yeah, normally that. wouldn't do those things, but there's something about her where, because everyone says, even says it about it, like, we we kind of, like, are on your side, but we also think you're not well, and it's clear you're not well, and we feel mm-hmm. bad for you. And it's yep. one of those things where I think it's, like, when you feel bad for someone, 
you'll yes and some things you might not because you're like, maybe this will be the thing that makes them happy and then they can move on. And yeah. and I don't we don't I don't get enough of of his a buddy's inner life to be able to for sure know anyway because that's how like we don't we don't get that we don't we don't see much of his inner process like he's just an object that she wants to get you know mm-hmm. I. Yeah, yeah, it's and it does it does the way it's the way it's shot. It does help feed her delusion that oh, he is really in love with me. We did kiss. He did not break it off. Yeah, exactly. we got interrupted. I, and that's um, what I can see. The you know the next night her pursuing it. But I I think if it had continued, he would have stopped it that night. She probably would have tried to still pursue it the next day. But I think they would have still ended up at the same conversation they would have had. I you know going I, on. I honestly think she would have. They would. They, there's a world. There's a, like if that scene had continued without the interruption, I do think there's a world where they have sex. Um, I think there is a world where they have sex. I just, I don't know. I, but yeah, at that I point, probably just don't yeah. want it to happen. Yeah, but at that point, it's not like it's not like pity sex because it's like that, now he's actively cheating on his wife. But yeah. I mean, you know, the kiss, the kiss. I don't know how 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 one feels about that is, is cheating. Well, I mean, we know how the um, whole town feels about it because that spreads real fucking quickly. Like the next day, yeah. everyone's just like basically being passive aggressive midwest nice with quotation marks mm-hmm. around it with the most I mean, I like think... obvious disdain for her that they can have yeah well i mean she showed up to the gig dressed like she was basically hanging off of him oh yeah so like it's yeah so it's not like it's not like it's out of nowhere it's not just that they just hate her although they do kind of no, just but hate yeah her i know i know and then like yeah. because then i'm sure the babysitter told people who then told people like oh my god you won't believe what i saw so like that stuff yeah. starts like wildfire in a town of that size because everyone's in everyone's fucking business um mm-hmm. yeah so, so what happened what, what continue what happens next um so the next the next day she goes to she goes to um she goes to macy's to try to find an outfit for for the for the christening and that she has a really, you know, terse and bad interaction with a sales person there who's basically like, yeah, my shift just ended this minute. I can't find someone else who can help you. Um, as she's leaving Macy's, she runs into her mom and then she gets dragged home with her mom and dad um, back into her childhood home. Um, they they draw attention here to the fact that she um, she has trichotillomania, which is the psychological disorder where you pull your hair out. Yeah, I, um, I have that too. I also have that. It, again, very relatable to like 2010 Alice. Yeah. Um, and 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 they talk, and, and it's sort of like you, you sort of get the sense of like her parents are the kind of people who are like, don't do that, but don't actually do anything to stop her or show that they care. They're just saying it. Yeah, it's it. They, it's very obvious that they have no read on who she is whatsoever. Like, yes, they exactly. are very oblivious as to who who their daughter actually is and what she needs. And they're almost, like, dismissive of stuff. Like, the dad, you can tell, is more empathetic and he's reading into stuff. But then, yeah, he just, like, does, doesn't do fuck all about it. He just asks, mm-hmm. uh, he just moves on to other banal questions to try and get away from the subject. If it feel, yeah. that felt like sometimes my interactions with my parents where it's like, oh, we'd start talking about something that's a little difficult to talk about and then... I'll quickly pivot to a different thing because yep. I can't live in this discomfort for a little bit and then we move on and then I normally feel like 
bad about it because yeah. then it's like, oh, great, well, you clearly don't want to talk about this. So here's another conversation yeah. that, you know, we just can't bring up around you because it becomes too awkward. Yeah. So, so... Then she's back in her hotel room. She gets another manicure. She's getting she's getting dressed. She's she's all she's wearing an even more elaborate outfit this time. This sort of like white silk blouse with a with a like a pussy bow front. And she shows up to the party and she kind of corners Buddy at the party and is like, "Yeah, I'm here to rescue you. Let's go. Let's let's run away." And and that is when it, that is when he reveals this whole thing, this whole thing is like, I didn't invite you. My wife wanted you to come because she felt bad for you. She pities yeah. you. He's like, he basically um, is like, I knew this would happen if you came. Like, I knew this yeah. would not be good. And I didn't want uh-huh. you to be here. Right. But again, like, I mean, if he's just being nice, he's being very nice in the first, like, you know, first half of the movie up until this point. I, I do feel like, again, this kind of feels like where the like knives come out for all of the characters. Like you can kind of see the, like, I guess less compassionate side. And maybe, maybe, maybe Mavis doesn't deserve compassion, but if like she gets compassion. So she goes outside, she causes a big scene. She gets wine spilled on her dress. She talks, she talks, um, she, she tries to challenge um, Beth to a fight that doesn't happen. And that's where, She's like, she's like saying to Beth, like, like, come on, don't you want to fight back? And she's like, no, I don't. You're so sad. You need help. Um, and then everyone and at the party she's, is she's, basically like, yeah, you need help. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and like she is just emotionally laid bare then. And then he, the he is like has the drum set like in the the garage opens and he's and he's like, what just happened? And so it's just like kind of like you know that like that I think is meant to be like the like joke part of the scene but a joke in terms of like it's at her expense and it's and it's awkward but um okay so she freaks out because you know she's 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 confronted with reality and can no longer be delusional she goes to matt's where she kind of has an emotional breakdown and he comforts her the next morning um she wakes up and she's having breakfast with uh with matt's sister um Colette Wolf, where, and this is the scene we talked about earlier, where she says, like, she she kind of gives her, like, thesis, you know, her act three thesis for for the, the lesson she was supposed to have learned in the, mo- in the movie. And she's like, you know, um, I did this, and it's like, it's like, I, I didn't get what I want. Why didn't I get what I want? People are so mean. And, and, and um, Matt's sister is like, yeah, you're right. You are beautiful. You do deserve these things. You live in the big city. This is so cool. You're so cool. Why? Like everyone here is fat and sucks. Take me with you. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. And then, and Mavis is like, yeah, yeah. Right. And then she immediately says, take me with you. And Mavis knowing now she immediately has power, like power over the sister again. She is no longer this like, like humbled person who's been laid bare. She is now cool, cool, delusional Mavis immediately says, you're great here. I don't want to, you don't want to come with me. You're, you're great here. Um, which is, which is like, again, the, like it, it's her choosing her delusion over someone who clearly, you know, whether it's healthy for her or not cares about her and could be a, a friend and a support for her. And, and would just be another person in her life, which it seems like she doesn't have a lot of, um, and she and she immediately rejects it because she thinks she's too cool for it. I had a different read on it, but I, that's okay. I, mine was I wasn't sure if she was basically being like, 
you're not going to be any... The problems that you think you're going to solve aren't going to be solved by going to the city because I have the same problems that you think are going to be solved here. And, like... I mean, yes, it's her not wanting to take responsibility for this person. And, like, it is... I, I got the sense of the beat of, here's the joke. She immediately, like, reject you know, rejects this person that was nice to her. Uh, she just reverts back to, like, base-level delusion. Yeah, but I, um, I reason, wonder for why... a moment, like, is is that what I'm supposed to feel? Like, she reads and be like, no, I mean, you're really going to get, like, chewed up in the city. No, see, I don't, I, I don't think that's true. I think she, I think she knows that, like... Because it's like, okay, I, I haven't talked about this up until this point. It's Minneapolis. Yeah. Minneapolis is a city. I'm not going to say it's not a city, but it's a small city. It it it. It's... Having lived in both the suburbs and in Milwaukee, it's not that different. And I yeah, and I between, truly yeah, don't between think... Milwaukee and Minneapolis, it's they're they're very similar. Right. I, I'm just saying. I'm saying between the suburbs where she grew up and the city where she lives, the big city where she lives, I think her continued emphasis on it's the big city is meant to feel small. That is meant to be like dramatic irony. Oh, she thinks she lives in the big city, but she lives in Minneapolis. Minneapolis isn't even that big of a city. Like, uh, maybe it's just because I'm from the Midwest, but I have a completely different right. perspective on it. No, this is this is 100 percent my like coastal elite flyover state bullshit right now. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, but like, also Diablo Cody wrote this movie, and I think I know where I think I know what she's trying to do. I guess, but I'm also just like Minneapolis is not a small city. Like it's not. And that's what I guess, like, I, I, I was like, you probably can have a fine life in Minneapolis. Like, I, that's the thing. Is oh, that, no, no, I I'm don't not, know what, I, I, I don't know what she's striving well, for but, when but, she goes back. Well, here's the thing. I don't, th well, she, she's going back to her life. I, I don't think that, I'm not saying you can't have a nice life in Minneapolis. What I'm saying is the distance between Mercury and Minneapolis is not that big if you compared it to the distance between Mercury and New York City. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, like, I guess that's also, that'd be, like, saying the distance from, like, Long Island to New York is, isn't as big yeah. as Long Island to Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, I Long Island to Minneapolis but is I think, But I think, but, my, but, point, my point is, my point is she's she's using this as this, like, status symbol when it's actually, like, it's like saying you are, like, the king of the mountain of a very small mountain. That, that's kind of how I how I think about it. I guess that's the joke. And I just, yeah. I just think the punchline is on people who think that's true. <laughs> like I, I just fundamentally disagree with that line of well, thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but with 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 that scene, I I think because she's like she immediately pivots to how do I not like she doesn't say you can, don't go to the city. The city's not that great. It's not you're gonna have the same problem. She doesn't say that. She says. You you should stay here. You have so much more of a read on this than I do. I cl I truly was like baffled by so many people's motives, and and you're reciting these things like that. Now that you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. But like, I yeah. I just missed. I just was like, I yeah. I just think it's because like you're trying to point out we're supposed to ironically think like like I got the irony that her going back to her life isn't that great. But, like, mm -hmm. it's great compared to these small-town people's lives. But she still hates it because she hated the life that mm -hmm. she was in. So I, so it's just sort of and, like... But, and, but also, and the small-town small people's lives aren't that much better, aren't that much worse, is also what I'm saying. Well, yeah, that's... I mean, that's the thing is that I guess it's like... I, I guess I, did, I, I didn't catch the commentary of mm -hmm. location doesn't matter. You're still going to have problems. 
-hmm. And I guess that is sort of, but, because uh, I took all of this as more of nostalgia for trying to go back to a time and place where you felt happy, you know, and yeah. location didn't mean anything to me about it, except for the fact that it's in the town that she grew up in, which happens to not be yes. where mm -hmm. she lives. Um, no, there's a, there's definitely an aspect of because like she talks about it like they talk they keep referring to it as like like the people in Mercury have a complex about it they say oh yeah we're just some backwater hick town like yeah. they talk about it in those terms like that's drawing attention to this and like the idea that Mercury is a hick town but she she lives in the big city like the things we see her do are go to a bookstore get her nails done twice go to a Macy's go to a K go to a KFC those are all things you could do in Mercury. Okay. I think I understand your point of view. Actually, okay. I'm coming around because I think now I understand what you're saying. I get that mm -hmm. feeling when I go to big cities like New York or Los Angeles and other places. I'm like, this is just the same shit I can do in my town, yep. but it's slightly yes. different. It just is shaded mm -hmm. a different color. And yeah. and there's more things. Right. Like, I'm not trying to knock it because, yeah, there's obviously right. experiences right. 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 I can right. need to have. But, like, I could go to an art center in my town and an art center in another place, right. and it's art. You know, it's different art, but or might be yeah. the, the quantity of it. Uh -huh. But yeah, I, right. I always get that sensation when I'm visiting like a yeah. big city or something. It never feels that I mean, big to me. That that's that's very real. Yeah. That, that is very real. I mean, I went to Paris and I had to go to a fucking Starbucks to get coffee the way I like coffee. Yeah, which because I'm a dumb American, it's literally happened to me. I, um, now I have the subsection of I am fascinated by skyscrapers, so truly I am like impressed when I get into town. Sure. Like, that's the yeah. one thing for me where I'm like, these right. buildings are fucking huge, like almost obscenely mm -hmm. huge sometimes. But right. otherwise, right. when you're on street level, I'm like, people are people. I'm still, yep. you know, you overhear the same types of conversations. You yep. know, you're seeing the same mm -hmm. movement. It might just be a more heightened version yep. of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I right. get, yeah, that part so I get. I'm, yeah, I want, I just want to, I'm just trying to say, like, I'm not, I really am not trying to put down small towns because I really do like cities like Minneapolis and, and Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. It is, it is very much just to say that it's not, it's like, it's like I'm standing outside my house, like on the street and I'm saying like, oh, I'm so far away now. Look how cool I am. I'm so far away. Yes. That's it, really all I'm saying. It is all relative. It, it is, it is yeah. pointing out, I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess if we're going to, if we're going to let go back and just layer the satire element of this. Mm-hmm. If the satire is, like, everything is relative and the goals that people have, because one of the things that, that we, we haven't talked about, there's a monologue where Mavis says, I wish I could be as, like, happy and, and simple as all of these people yes. are. I wish I could come and be in Mercury and just mm -hmm. live my life and not have these, like... Right this like desire or ambition or unfulfillment like mm -hmm. because i know i'm like in a technically nicer situation in minneapolis yeah. than i would be here you know relative mm -hmm. to whatever her I mean, thing is but it, i guess yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's a satire like, on expectations right yeah but like but like there is no reason she couldn't do her job in mercury yeah no there right? isn't like there's nothing like the reason she's there is because she thinks it is cool to be there and she uses it as part of her like shield around herself yeah, I guess like Minneapolis is a part of her personality. She she it, she it wants a, it is a huge part wants, of her personality. Yes, it is it is I'm from the city, you're you all are hicks, which I guess I didn't think about that as much because some of the people in the town kind of agree with that a bit. And so I just well, sort yeah, of like, take like, a they, point they, of view of being like, like, okay, is this an accepted fact? I don't know. I mean, they they play into it, but it's like I like everyone who doesn't live in a city thinks the people who live in cities 
are idiots usually. Like that's the that's the character. That's like the stereotype, right? Yeah, and vice versa. And so when they're saying, "Yeah, no, it must be so cool to live in the big city," I think the only one who believes it is Matt's sister. I think everyone else who's saying it is saying it in like the Midwestern nice way. Yeah, I I I think I would agree with it. Oh, well, and I so yes. so one aspect that I found interesting that I also we didn't get to talk about is um, just the the part where um, Matt is like the town, like he just has not like that weird specific knowledge about the town you live in that you gather over time. Mm-hmm. And it's just yep. facts that you know that like don't have much relevance of, of and so like at some point like that at a soccer field, he's like, yeah, it used to be like a rubber plant until it was torn down and blah, blah, blah. And she even says like, how do you know all this stuff? Like, it's so crazy that you know these things. Mm-hmm. And I related to it. I'm like, yeah, this is the kind of shit that I know about. And like, mention to people as I'm driving around mm-hmm. like oh I don't know you, yeah. you know this about our town kind of stuff and yeah. I, I really I mean, that and like I think you have a very rich inner life you, you we make this podcast you do you do streams you do theater yeah you do all kinds of stuff yeah um I so yeah okay I'm I'm not as mad as the script as I was when I was mad at it, but I'm not like as confused and this has... I feel I feel like I'm helping you I feel, I feel like I'm helping you see like like I this is my point of view of the movie. I think I, I think I'm I think I have a pretty good read on on what the movie's trying to do. I think you have a think much I, I better I'm... read than I do. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think do you, and do you know what it is? I think I mean, honestly, again, I've watched this movie a bunch of times. He, oh, and okay, see, I didn't know that. You I've been thinking it about it for thirteen years. Okay, that's I mean that's I mean, fair. I, I have watched it a bunch of times. Not not recently, but I and I and I think about this movie a lot just because again, it really stuck with me. I, I think for me too. There's a layer that is I do not have nostalgia for my high school era and also because I was yeah. I didn't have a high, I was homeschooled. So like I don't have right. a yeah connection to that where it's like mm-hmm. oh I I relate to being like high school is the best years of my life type thing. And I know this is satire and being like that's not true. And like it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. you're supposed to be no, no, like no, but, uh, but you're supposed to find it as funny a baseline, that she thinks I get it. that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, but the, the the thing that is so fucked up for me is that I don't high school was not the best years of my life. I, I high school was fine. I got through it. I'm happy it's not over, but I'm still obsessed with stories about high school and stories about like kids at that age and prom and shit. And I don't know why. I think it's just like arrested development. But um, again, that is why like it was like the thing I will say, the thing I think I realized is that watching this movie I relate very heavily to the the poor, sheltered, not delusional, like Mavis inside that is inside the armor that she that she covers with all you know mm-hmm. all of her clothes and all of her, her her all of her delusions. And I think because I could relate to that, and I also feel like I do some of those same armor things myself. I I, I wear too much fucking. I, I dress up way too much for for casual occasions. She's at, at one point she's wearing a fucking Hello Kitty shirt, and I'm like, oh god, it is literally. Do you know, me. I genuinely thought to myself, oh, that I can imagine Alice. Like I could see this being a, a literal situation with Alice waking up in her Hello Kitty shirt after a nice, you know, uh, liaison yeah, yeah. and just doing that. You know, but not as again, not as much on we. I don't think, but maybe who knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm obsessed so, on so, Wii. Yeah. I'm obsessing on Wii because Inside Out 2, that's one of the new characters that they're adding oh, into okay. it. And I'm just like, yes, because kids love on Wii. Like, oh, that's one of their favorite emotions to like talk about. Pixar movies aren't for kids, they're for adults. Mommy, can I have an on Wii plush? Oh, I love on Wii. Um Yeah, so that's the that's the movie she Yeah, that is the movie. 
a couple of the things that just I have in my notes here. Um, Matt's sister very clearly telegraphed as a lesbian who is not out or doesn't understand that she's a lesbian. Um, okay. <laughs> I was just thinking, no, I was just, my what you saw me do on my face was me retroactively going through every scene with her and refilter yeah. it and being like, lesbian and being like what what does that do so sorry i wasn't disagreeing my face was literally oh, i was yeah. having a flash okay. of being like what would that look like <laughs> i mean i did that i that is definitely not something i picked up on the first time like i knew that she was obsessed with with mavis but that was not something i really picked up the first time this time it was like oh she needs to read the um 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 compulsory heteronormative doc and then she'll understand that she's a lesbian yeah, and then she... you're gonna catch those things better than i will but i'll catch the i'll catch yeah, yeah, gay yeah. subtext which is funny because gay yes. subtext is never su subtle because it's gay yeah also there's multiple montages that we're getting ready like she's at one point she's she's like she's like um um hairspraying a wig she's she's putting on all these clothes she's getting pedicures constantly i i had the thought one of those montages i was like what she's doing is essentially drag. Yeah, I do. You know, what in those moments, I was like, "Thank fucking god, I don't care that much about this stuff in my yeah. day to day life." Because, huh? like, yeah. I, you, I will not put on makeup unless you're paying me. I'm practicing, but like, yeah. I don't yeah. like it. I just feel like it's a mask. If mm -hmm. I, so this is just a total aside. When I was suffering from an internalized like homophobia and transphobia, I kind of had a weirdness about drag queens that made me uncomfortable because, like clowns, yeah. I can't read their face and I can't read what they're truly feeling. So it's sort of like mm -hmm. talking to an alien to me. I'm like, I don't yeah. know where the character begins and where you ends. Yeah, but I'm. How much of this is meant to be serious? How much of this is actual gender performance? How much of this is meant to be funny? Is it just funny that I'm a man in a dress? Yes, and why is why do they all have like they all pick a personality because they want you know this to be the persona? And why are all the personas the bitches? Like why are they all just like, that? I probably didn't get. But mm -hmm. as I got older and understood the anger at the gender system and all those things, that's where I was like, okay. Now I see more of what they were saying and why this personality, you know, was out there. I was stuck in, I was stuck in, in wanting everything to be nice and, and being a nice guy and not like in a nice guy way, but like truly it was like, I, just wanting things to be nice and pleasant and not being comfortable with any sort of like confrontational material. I think that's why also too, yeah. I, it's hard for me to find the comedy in this because it's all just her being confrontational with everyone yep. to get things like how it is. And I'm just and like, either, either being like either either pushing her delusion through or getting completely shut down yes um, I, and i actively thought to myself in a moment like oh this is cringe comedy i'm not gonna probably like like the right. like i'm going to stop looking for comedy in this and just watch yeah, yeah, yeah. it as a film yeah and that when i did I, that you know i think i helped i don't think of this movie as a comedy but it, it really says helped. it's a comedy the problem is it itself they like they present Reitman and Diablo Cody present this as a comedy. Like, so I'm, that's, that's just what I struggle is when a director and a writer are explicit about the genre that they're trying to do. And I'm like, well, I have to watch it in that lens now. And I get stuck in that. No, but I get stuck in it. And I, I removed myself okay. from it. And again, when I watch yeah. this, it's a series of events and a character study. It worked better for me, but I get stuck when something tells me it's a genre and I'm just like, what? You know, I just go through well, confused like, being like, you're not this genre. Do you not know what film you're making? Like, that's the problem yeah. I go through. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, 
there are shows that are nominally comedies. I think like Girls is a good example where it's like it's not actually trying to be funny, like haha funny all the time. Like like I, I had this conversation once with a friend. And he was like, "Is that show a comedy?" And I was like, "It is a thirty minute show. It is a comedy for that reason. Like that is the only reason it's the third. It, it, it's considered a comedy by like the Emmys or whatever." Uh, this is just from an era. Uh, this is this is from a time and era where, um dramedies was all mm-hmm. the comedies we got really unless it yeah. was like well something yeah. more outlandish or spoofy mm-hmm. but like we got stuck yeah. with a glut where everyone thought the funniest thing was families that are broken in sad situations or like mm-hmm. sad people being sad and making bad decisions and that's comedy yeah. and i don't know what that was a reaction to i don't know what that movement was trying like i i don't know where it came from it's still like, but th- I think things like Transparent was sort of like an example of that, where like it was presented as like a bit of a comedy, but like also like well, Transparent was presented as a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, but you're like, I don't know what the joke. You know, again, it's like I mean, I mean, I think I I I think in that case they were no one's gonna no one was gonna let them air a hour long drama about a trans a trans mother in a in a family. Yeah. Um. But you you know you put Jeffrey Tambor in it you you, you write a couple jokes and now it's a comedy, um, it's like it's like um what is it the, like marvelous Miss Maisel like you watch that there are funny parts but it's not always a comedy mm-hmm. um, I, but I will also say like the the thing that is also really interesting about this movie is because if you look at Jason Reitman specifically his career up until this point he had made three movies he had made thank you for smoking with Aaron Eckhart he'd made Juno with Elliot Page and Michael Sarah and then he made up in the air with George Clooney and Anna Kendrick yeah. and all oh. three of those basically follow that same formula of like jokey jokey beginning something something happens to the character they go through a thing where they learned a lot about themselves and then they and then there's like kind of like a jokey ending where the, where the, where it, it all works out and they're all everyone lives happily ever after and so the fact that like the fact that this movie does does present itself in that in that sort of same structure, it really does play a trick on you. Where it's like, no, this isn't this isn't a comedy. This is just sad. And and I think the twisting of the knife of the ending of her going back to the city and turning down Matt's sister and and all of those things and not learning anything is really the the genius of the movie. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at his filmography. Uh-huh. I've seen one film that he's done. And I want to play a fun little game. Do you, do you mind looking up his filmography and trying to guess yeah. which one of his films that he uh, has directed that I've seen? Ricky and the Flash. He didn't direct that, did he? Oh, no. Sorry, that's Diablo Cody. I, was clicking, I clicked on Diablo Oh, Cody. okay, got it. Diablo Cody wrote Ricky and the Flash. I need, to see, yeah, I need to see what she's done. That was the other thing I was going to look up and be like, have I seen any Diablo Cody's? Because as you were um, naming those things... I, go ahead. I think you saw... Did you see Labor Day? No. Okay, then what was it? The Front Runner, the the Gary Hart movie about uh, where it was Hugh Jackman playing him, and it was just all about the oh the campaign and it had the sort of weird, confusing messaging where it was like, oh, the press was really bad for like pursuing this personal life thing about an affair that he had, and like all oh, that press. You know, just you know, knee him, him in the in the legs, and like, oh, what, what, what? Maybe he could have done if if we didn't care so much yeah. about where he put his dick, kind of thing. And I'm like, 
I, I don't know if this is the time during during the Me Too era. I don't know if this is the messaging that I sort of like <laughs> am like looking for. Um, but yeah. that was the. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, that was the era of Movie Pass for me, though. Like toward the end, where I was oh. seeing everything. Like if it was remotely interesting to me, I I had high hopes for that film, and it really fell flat for me. But um, yeah, so that so I'm, I'm, I don't have context for his stuff too, which I think is part of sure. why I'm ex- really yeah. experiencing it for the first time. His true like. Yeah. In terms of that, like I didn't even know that movie existed. Honest to God, I. But no, his, his 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 career kind of goes to shit after this after this movie. Well, actually, it's it, it goes to shit after this movie because his next movie is Labor Day, which is a really bad earnest drama that has a very sexual scene of of, of Nicole Kidman and Josh Brolin making a pie. It's really fucking oh weird. Oh my god. Um, it's really horny and weird. And then his next movie was Men, Women, and Children, which is like, do you know, no one talks to each other. We're like zombies because we're all on our phones. Oh, my. Oh, no. <laughs> One of those films. And so, between, so after that, oh, after that I kind of I'm literally looking at the poster for that. And it's people staring at their phones. And then two people yes. hugging in the middle of the crowd. Of that. Oh, my God. I just remember the um the the trailer was like one of the first trailers I one of the first times I saw where they were like writing the text messages on the screen like you know that's a yeah, common yeah, thing yeah. now but but this was 2014 they were, this was this was new and it was like and it was just like oh don't you see society's so broken because we're all on our phones <laughs> and I was just like that's that is really around the time when I like checked out from Jason Reitman um but like you know I saw I saw Juno when it came out. I, love that movie it has problems but i love it um and then i was so enamored by it i went back and i watched thank you for smoking which is his his movie i think you would actually really like that one. i think that, that one would is like actually that funny the setup of that you would love that movie. i feel like the setup of it is really fun because you know it's, it's just about a, a guy who lobbies for the smoking or for the tobacco industry yes. and you know yes. this has to be like you know essentially being on the side of the bad guys and yeah trying to yeah i yes. i that's been one and, of those ones that i've like been meaning to watch for a while and just haven't gotten to mm-hmm. And so, and um, and so, thank you for smoking. Very funny and charming. Juno's great, and then he makes yeah, Up in the Air, which is which, Up in the Air, which I also love. That I love that movie. It's very, I, I really like it. I think um, the and so, like, only time that I maybe tried to watch Juno, and I don't think I tried that hard. Is I think in college, me and my oh, girlfriend yeah. maybe tried to watch it once, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I remember not being into you, it. You did. You you didn't make it past Rain Skillet saying like like um ho- like home skillet that that ego need can't be undid or whatever. Oh no, so I like, thought first, I thought that scene was fine. I okay. uh, I I, I just, the, first, no, the first ten minutes of that movie are really bad, cringy dialogue. Well, it's one of those things where it's like I know I I can picture certain images and certain little blips from it, so I know I've at least like sat through the film, but I couldn't tell you a damn thing about it. I mean. It it was it was some people thought it was secretly an anti-abortion Christian movie. Oh yeah, and they're stupid people because they don't know how to they don't know how to interpret things because because yeah. they literally are um, like oh she also, decides to have the baby and not have an abortion there go this I, must be anti-abortion it's like no it's a story about someone making a choice like that's yeah. not politically a statement also crazy fucked up that they made Elliot Page play a pregnant girl what the fuck Hollywood. So again, going into young adult, I was like, Reitman's my guy. I love Diablo Cody. I'm all in on this. And I was just like, like it could have been much worse. And I still probably would have loved it just because I was so fanatical about, about those two. But like, like I said, it really did speak to me and it really did hit me right in, right in my gut. And fun fact, after that year, I have not gone back to Wisconsin. Oh, interesting. 
I yeah. do you know, and I I do want to make a point of saying I'm I'm glad this really hit you because I can see where this film hits. Like it, the thing about this film is that it is an arrow and it is pointing toward one uh-huh. kind of target. So that's where yeah. I think I understand why. Me, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pointing at myself. Um, where it's <laughs> I'm, like I'm for the list. I I was missing parts of it, but I was more frustrated because I like to get stuff more so than me being than it being mm-hmm. like. Well, this movie sucks because of it. It's just more like, oh, there's things I don't yeah. relate to about this, and I'm curious more mm-hmm. about. So this, this has yeah. certainly helped enhance my experience watching the film. Yeah. It was weird to be like, I'm kind of liking this film, but I'm also like uh-huh. repelled by what's happening. So it's an interesting right. experience. Yeah. We're like, these performances yeah. are great, and they're making these characters so real that I'm being like. No, yes, don't, you know, <laughs> and all these things. Yeah. So I'm very so curious how Tully be... will be in comparison. Yeah, I was going to say, Tully's going to be interesting because I haven't seen that, partially because of my kind of sort of blaseness with Jason Reitman and to a lesser extent Diablo Cody. Um, but I don't have that context of, of, of 13 years of obsessing about it. I'm curious how I'm going to see that too. Yeah. I also think, I bet that if, I'm not saying you have to, but I bet if you watch this movie a second time now, having had this discussion, you would enjoy it more. I debated, because um, one of my roommates was, I was playing it just on the speakers, and there were a couple things they heard, and they are like, hey, what film are you watching like that? And like, it sounds like it's, you know, interesting. So I also, I have the rental period for 48 yeah. hours, so I invite tomorrow be like, hey, y'all wanna, want me to put this on for you? <laughs> Also, a breezy 90 minutes. Yep. Breezy 90 yes. minutes. It, it really flowed, and that was a thing I appreciated, too. Like, weirdly, I think the thing that I almost needed was maybe a little more a little more track laid, but that's me wanting things in text that I'm now realizing, especially when you pointed out how often we see her preparing things. We're seeing oh, her yeah. getting the costume, which I just, like... Took for granted because... You were like, uh, oh, she's getting ready. I, yeah, whatever. I just took it to be part of this slice of life setting mm-hmm. where we're like, no, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're sort of flowing. Like, this is to give you time no. to think about how, you know, time is moving versus, like, the specificity of what's going on here. And I think sometimes she I She's putting that. on her full drag uniform in this movie. You like, Like, watch it again. You will see that. I think I sometimes forget when I'm watching stuff. Every single thing is deliberate. Like, everything makes it on the screen. And sometimes I don't think that's true with movies. Like, you can tell, like, especially sure. things that are improv which is sometimes frustrating because mm-hmm. you're like, I know this wasn't deliberate. It was just, like, made in the moment. And so is the entire movie just, like, not deliberate or whatever? But this was something where it's like, yeah, no. Every scene that shot is to, add, like, the tape cassette rewinding. Like, I just took it as an like, experience, but you're right. It's sort of, it's a metaphor for her wanting to keep turning back time. She wants to live in that yep. moment. She keeps trying to rewind yep. the clock, and we're getting that set up yep. very early. And it's not even—it's not even the tape. It's one song. Yeah, on just one tape. song. Yeah, literally, and and just going back to that moment, that one singular moment, yeah. that song. Yeah. The other thing I was going to um, say very quickly, I just want to make one other comment. The most relatable I found Mavis was in the scene with the band, where all of a sudden she gets information that upsets her so much she cannot mask the fact that she is yeah. devastated. And in public, I have had that experience so much. And thank God I have a husband who's understanding and knows it. But, like, just something happens and I'm just, like, Uh shut down. And I'm trying to, like, put... Like, when I saw her trying to push the energy up and act happy, I'm like, Oh, wow, this is... This is... I am cringing with you because I know what that that is like. like. That was, like, me, like... 20 times during this yeah, movie, I, pointing at the screen like, oh, it's me, oh, it's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yes, and that's that's the thing is, I, I'll, I'll make you say, 
I think I stuck to this room because Mavis was too relatable. I, I think I just was yeah. like too many bad things that I could do or potentially have yeah. done, you know, are within this mm-hmm. character. Yeah. Um, Next week. Yeah, I think that'll... Oh, go ahead. That'll do it. Next week, we are going to take we're going to take a turn yeah. into the past. Yeah, so we are going uh we are going to be seeing a, a something that is a seminal film for me in my development of my love of Charlize Theron as well as uh, a bit of my queer identity. And we're also having a slight intersection with one of uh, our other intertangled interests with the Twilight series. This is a K-Stew vehicle. We're going to be watching Snow White and the Huntsman next week. With I'm so excited. With... I, I have no idea what this movie is about. It sounds kind of batshit. I, I'm, I'm so excited to see our girl Charlize. I'm so excited to see my girl Bella. I'm, I'm so happy. What When you were talking about the alien and otherworldly description of Charlize mm-hmm. Theron, I was taken to where I was sitting in the Snow White and the Huntsman and had a very similar transcendent experience watching her. I am very curious if these things will relate to you at all, but there is something Mm -hmm. so luscious about how evil she is. Like just the absolute pure, Mm -hmm. like, like loving her, loving how much she's making like, selfish and bad decisions and things like oh it's juicy i love it it's camp but it's like cruella de vil camp which is the kind of one kind of camp i think i can get on it is camp but it takes itself so seriously like that's what's so funny is that it has like it it weirdly builds its own lore and it's like hey hey, hey, we're taking the snow white story you know and we're gonna flip it around a little bit and and really has a rich inner story where i'm like I kind of want to know, and like I went and saw The Huntsman, the like sequel to this one, which was shit. It was awful. But do you know what was in it? Charlie's Theron, and she was just as luscious as the first time. So I was like, carry yeah. me through this shit. Get me through this bad film. Every moment you're on screen, I'm happy. But like, oh boy, it's rough otherwise. So I'm, I'm extremely curious to see your take on this because uh, again, this is a film that I this is this is now my one where I don't have as much of a love it that for you as say young adult like I've maybe not seen it that much, but I have a connection to this film that is deeper than the quality of it presents. I think that's what I'll say. Yeah, 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 and I'm I'm super excited to talk about it next. Yay! Um, but until then, this has been she's an actress. Whoa! And as we always say to end the show, Missy, do you know who Missy, do you know who else the actress who played Beth plays? Yeah, she's in Twilight. She plays Esme Cullen, yes! baby. I I I was <laughs> like, why is her face familiar? I literally looked her up and I'm yeah. like, and, and it just all comes back twice. This is like all of our podcasts now because of Twagist is yeah. six degrees of Twagist and who's connected in here yep. and what they're doing. I, this oh, yeah. I'll say this one other thing. For a brief moment before I forgot who was cast in this film, when the person answered the phone and we don't see them for a while, I swore to God it was Chris Pratt who she was calling. And for Ooh. a moment I was like, if I have to sit through a movie where she's trying to romantically pine over Chris Pratt, I think I'm going to lose yeah. my goddamn mind. And thank God it was that hunk Patrick yeah. Wilson. It was, it, Patrick Wilson, the thinking man's Chris Pratt. 
so so as we always say to end the show, it was really fucked up when Mavis imprinted on their baby. <laughs> also, I might legally change my name to Mavis, but that's because of Mavis Beacon.